persons you're listening to, no names, all game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Monday, November 1st, and you're now number 22. Nittany Lions fall to 5-3 and three after a 33-24 loss in Columbus. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host Pat Clicky on Pat. I typically... Typically start this show with Pat. How you doing, Pat? How the hell are you? I'm going to throw it to a Twitter question because uh, this person, shout out Steve Silver, kind of embodies that question and embodies how I'm feeling. So I'm going to throw it to him. Steve says, how should I feel? I don't think I've ever been less mad about losing to Ohio State, but I'm mad that I'm not mad, if that makes sense. So Pat, with that in mind, how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I get that. You're, you know, you're a big fan of saying there are no moral victories in this game, but I mean, I kind of feel like this was one because you know, last podcast I said, like, I think we're going to end this season on a, on a two and five skid. And I no longer feel that way. Like, we played so bad against Illinois that I was like, wow, is this, the te- is this what our team is? Um, and, you know, nothing is for sure. But, like, I come out of this game going, like, you know, we kind of should win out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as, as Steve, which is why I started that Twitter question. I'm not as mad as I want to be. Like I, I, and I said this in my post-game tweet, it hurts more because that felt winnable. Felt like we had enough things that went our way. Yeah, there were some calls. There were some questionable things that we'll get into, but felt like enough things went our way. We had enough opportunity. Like we, we could have won this game, let alone cover the 19 and a half. So part of me is mad for that. But the other part, like you said, is, you know, just kind of, thankful that Illinois was an anomaly like we thought it was and it's not actually who we are so a tough game a lot of different topics to get into a lot of Twitter questions this week so thanks to everyone who wrote in um, let's start with our awards as we always do let's start with our lion our MVP who do you have as your lion for this week um you know I think he could have had a slightly better game but I am going with Sean Clifford um Mostly, not just because of, like, as an MVP, but as, you know, like, heart of a lion. This kid comes back from, like, an injury in Iowa, clearly not 100% at, uh, with, with Illinois. And he throws for 360 yards against Ohio State, uh, completes way more than half his passes. You know, he has the two turnovers that you don't love. But, I mean, he's the reason we were in this game. Him and the defense are the reason Penn State is in this game. He is the reason this Penn State offense works, along with, you know, some guys like Jahan Dotson. But, I mean, like, without Sean Clifford, we have seen what this offense is, man. And he is keeping us in this season. Yeah, I think that's a great pick, and I think that that is probably the truest Lion Award this season. Uh, he finishes 35 of 52. He threw the ball 52 times coming off an injury. That That is some grit. By the way, we uh, should th- throw it 70 times every game. Yeah, yeah. We have plenty of questions about the running game. We'll get there. Um, but Cliff finishes 35 of 52 for 361, a touchdown. The interception, unfortunate. The fumble, unfortunate. But I agree. Um, heart of a Lion played his ass off. He ran ran well for, for some parts of it. Um, he looked almost 100% if not 100%. So shout out, Cliff, you are a lion this week. Uh, My lion goes to Parker Washington. Um, This guy is just a joy to watch. Uh, He goes nine catches for 108 yards. Uh, I felt like he was the go-to guy on every third down early in the game. Um, He had some very clutch moments. He had the one-handed catch right after the half when we're in the red zone. It was a third and five where we're trying to score, trying to keep the momentum up. Ridiculous catch. Um, You know, we always know Jahan's going to be great. 
but it's really awesome to see Parker go off too. And I thought this was one of those games against a good defense where you're not, no, you're not, you don't know who's going to step up, who's going to be that next guy. He did. Um, and, and I think it was just awesome to watch. So Parker, you are my lion this week. Love it. All right, let's get into awards. I got two this week as usual. Uh, Pat, you can go first. I'm going to go with the Killing Them Softly Award. Killing Them Softly Award? Yeah. Who does this one go to? This one goes to Jahan Dotson, man. I remember watching this game and being like, is, you know, I was watching at a bar, having a couple of adult beverages, and sort of sometimes the finer details of the game kind of slip away from you. And I remember at one point being like, man, Jahan's kind of quiet this game. And then I look at his stat line, he had 127 <laughs> yards and 11 receptions. I'm like, that's how good this guy is. He has a game like that, and I'm like, hmm. Not seen it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely agree. Uh, I'm actually going to jump in and give my first award because I have one for Jahan too. And it's the, it. I'm, I'm going to miss you, man. Uh, yeah. I'm going to miss you, man. Award. Like same thing. He was held in check for most of the first half all week. We saw the quote from I think it's Denzel Burke, the defensive back from Ohio state said, you know, he's pretty good, but he's nothing I can't handle. And then like you said, just casually puts up 11 for 127, not to mention a rushing touchdown as well from the wildcat. Um, He's just been so much fun to watch. I'm glad he came back for this year. Um, I think he deserved better. I wish we could have given him better for this year that he came back, but, uh, but I'm going to miss him. So shout out John Dotson. Love it. All right, go ahead. Your second award. I think I may have given out an award with this same name before. I can't remember, but I'm going with the Hermione Granger award. You definitely did give up this <laughs> award before. Um, I don't remember what it was for. It was for her, like, overachieving or something? Yes, that is um, okay. exactly what it's for. <laughs> okay, who do you got? Ellis Brooks, man. Dude, Ellis nice. Brooks. I mean, we, there was a lot of talk uh, preseason about the linebackers, and it was all about Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs and even Jesse Lakeda. And no one – I feel like no one was talking about Ellis Brooks. And he's quietly been, like, really great. Yeah. Like, really overachieved this season, in my opinion. He has been, like, not the third guy in that unit. He has been a star. He's made big plays. He's made a lot of plays. And he's just looked so good. Yeah, I feel like he's been a true middle linebacker. Like, he's been a stalwart in the middle of the defense, allowing uh, Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs to do some things outside, to blitz, to do, to do the things that they do in space at times. Um, I feel like he's been just really good in the middle and, like, a staple that we've needed this year. So, yeah, shout out Ellis Brooks. That's awesome. Um, all right, mine, uh, a lot of people say A for effort. This is the A-plus for hustle award. Okay, I like it. A-plus for hustle. Ooh. Any guesses? Oh, I mean, it's pretty, eh, not quite, not quite. But th this goes out to a couple of the guys on the defense. This goes to Joey Porter Jr., Brandon Smith, and Jaquan Brisker. Um, just some incredible plays. So Joey Porter Jr. and Brandon Smith, first off. Uh, receiver from Ohio State, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Catches a ball, and he looks like he's off to the races, like no one's going to catch him. And both of these guys just get on their horse, track him down. I think it was uh, Joey Porter Jr. who actually took him down. Brandon Smith was right there. There were a bunch of guys, you know, in chase, but those two got to him. Uh, and, and that drive turns into a field goal. Uh, that's just massive. Um, and I will say what's incredible is that Joey Porter Jr. is 192 pounds. Brandon Smith is 241 pounds, yeah. so almost 50 pounds more. He's running step for step. They chase him down. Ohio State goes up 20 to 17 instead of 24 to 17. Um, you know, if, again, if a couple things go different in this game, we're looking at that and saying that, that got us a win. 
because that that's a four point swing. Um, so shout out to both of those guys. And then Jaquan Brisker, um, he chased down Travion Henderson on, on that big run. Uh, he covered a million miles. Yes, they ended yeah. up scoring. They ended up scoring, but it's still a fantastic play. And in a game where, you know, you're trying to pull the positives, you're trying to look at what, what was good about this, seeing those guys run their asses off, track guys down, not give up easy on the touchdown. It's just refreshing. So A-plus for Hustle, all three of those guys. All right, let's jump into some Twitter questions. We're going to start with some of the controversial calls because I think this is really a lot of what I've heard about. Uh, so we'll start with John Catrabone says, how legit was that snap infraction call? So Pat, I'll start with this. Have you ever heard of a snap infraction before this game? Because I had it. Yeah, it's normally when the – from what I remember, like know of this call, it's usually when the center moves the ball without snapping it. Yeah, like, so what I read up There's is a like reason can... they roll the ball over instead of picking it up and mm-hmm. positioning it usually. And sometimes you'll see a center like kind of twitch the ball by accident. Um, or yeah, even pick it up to move it. And that's generally a snap infraction. Yeah, that's not, what I was reading. Not like, a he's allowed to he's allowed to move it around like before the team is set, but once the team's set, you can't move it again, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in your opinion, was that a legit call or should that have been our ball in Ohio State territory? I mean, I'm obviously going to be biased here, but like that looked like it was just a bad snap. Yeah. Like I, that was a pretty unbelievable call to me. I could like, that's because from what, from my knowledge of football, a snap infraction is just, again, is usually just like a, eh, they move the ball a little bit. Like they twitch their hand. That guy tried to snap the ball and just fucking dropped it. Yes, exactly. And that, that was my biggest thing. It's like, because at first it, sound, it seemed like they were saying false start. And I was like, all right, no one moved. What the hell are they talking about? And then they start saying snap infraction. So I'm looking up on my phone. What is that? Um, I agree. And I watched it back. I, I watched the replay today. I watched the game again. Um, I, I don't see it. Like, I think he snaps the ball and just loses it. So yeah. we jump on that ball. That should be our ball in Ohio State territory. That's a huge swing. Huge swing. Um, I don't think it's really worth dwelling on. Like it happened, it's over. But to answer the question, how legit was that call? I don't think it was legit at all. I think they got I it wrong. That was a very bad call. Yeah. I think they got it wrong. Unfortunately, that's not a penalty you can decline. That's not something you can challenge. So nothing you can do about it. But yes, I think they got it wrong. Uh, let's move on to the other one that everyone's talking about. This one question comes from Shane Lunnan. Uh, what are your thoughts on John Levitt's illegal touching call? Uh, Shane says, I feel like he was going out of bounds before he was pushed, but he feels less mad about this than the snap infraction. I've seen people on both sides of this pretty evenly split on John Levitt. So, you know, we're down, I think it's over, I think it's 27, 24 at this point. Um, Cliff hits Lovett on a little like screen wheel route on the side, but he does go out of bounds, catches the ball before reestablishing himself or being the first person that's touch it rather uh, goes for a touchdown, but it gets called back. What did you see on that play? Did you think he was forced out of bounds? Did you think he, he went out on his own? What, what's your takeaway? So as far as I know from this rule, this is not a judgment call of were they going out of bounds before they got touched. He got, might have been very slight, but he got pushed and went out of bounds. He got touched on the shoulder and went out of bounds. You know, that's the rule. I'm sorry. Like, this, there are no other judgment calls in – football that I can really think of like that, you know, the only one maybe is like uncatchable pass on pass interference. But like the fact of the matter is when you touch a offensive player, they go out of bounds. That's considered being forced out. 
Yeah, and this is this is a tough one. I've I've kind of gone back and forth on it, and I watched this one probably like twenty times on replay today. Um, he is running up the sideline. His foot is hovering over bounds, over over the over bounds. What the fuck am I saying? Over out of bounds uh, before he's touched. He is he is going to go out whether he is touched or not. And then he kind of gets touched almost simultaneously as his foot's hitting out of bounds. So I agree with you there with like the interpretation of the rule is like if you get touched and you go out of bounds, but like he was kind of doing it on his own already. Like he chose to go that way. And there was, there was very little room for him to run. Like the the defender was kind of forcing him that way. And again, this depends on your definition of force. He could have chosen to cut in. He could have chosen to go another way, but he, he went out of bounds, was going to go out of bounds, whether he was touched or not, but then he was touched. So it, it was really hard for me to say like, yes or no, based on what you're saying, it makes sense that it should have been called that way. Um, and, and everyone's going crazy about the, the quote after the game. Love it said the Ohio state defender came up to him and said, yeah, I pushed you like, okay, man, I, I don't care about that either way. Like what it, what, like it doesn't matter. Like he could say whatever he wants. Like looking at the video, it's really tough to tell when he gets touched and when he actually foot comes down. So like, I don't know on this one is I guess what I'm saying. Cause like, I really could see it either way. Yeah. I mean, again, I might be, it's had it gone the way that I think it should go. It's one of those calls where you go, man, we get lucky that he touched our, that he sort of pushed yes. John Lovett. Yes. Well, yeah. that's unfortunate for Ohio state then, but because yeah. that's how the rule is supposed to work. Yeah. And it was one of those weird ones too, where it was like, I mean, he took off to the races and like the other thing you have to, you know, if he, if he does get touched, like, is he fully back in bounds when he catches that ball? Because his foot is like kind of dragging. Honestly, still. that's what I thought was more um, questionable. I think that was much more questionable than what is he touched or not. Uh, but it did seem like no one really like fully pursued him. It seemed like Ohio State was just like, oh, yeah, he was out of bounds. Like, let him go. Like, I, I think they were banking on it kind of thing, even in the moment, which I know probably isn't going through their heads. But, like, he looked like he was the only one who was still still playing. Like, everyone else almost looked like the whistle had already blown, which obviously it hadn't. So, it's a brutal break. It sucks. Yeah, it would have put us up at that point, right? Uh, it would have put us up 31-27, um, and it changes probably the last however many minutes of the game are left completely. But it, it's a tough call, and, and I don't look at that as that's what lost us the game. Does it suck? Yes, absolutely. But, like, I'm not sitting here going, man, if that just happened, we win this one in a round. Like, I don't know. I just don't feel that way. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things to me that, like, when you put them together, that sure. kind of lost us the game, you know? Sure. You, you, you put this turnover in plus territory and a touchdown that gets called back. Yeah, that it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> we, we, we did get away with some things on our own. Um, there was a late hit on Brisker. He pushed Wilson when he was clearly out of bounds and didn't get called. Um, Miranda basically tackled a blitzer yeah. uh, and did not get called. So, it's I'm not saying it would go I'm not saying it's completely even but there were some missed calls on both sides um I don't know I'm just like there are other games where I'm sitting here going that call screwed us that call changed everything I just again even with these things that happened I still feel like it was a winnable game and we had the opportunities which is why back to the original first question of like why am I not mad like I just don't feel as mad I feel like even despite that we could have and maybe should have won yeah I mean Actually, the, the plays that stick out to me the most are the two that you gave an award for, which they were back-to-back drives where they went 90 yards on two plays. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, you know, when you're playing a better team than you, you kind of just can't have that. 
Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good segue into our next uh, next question here from CJ Scalzetti, CJ Goon, our good friend. I uh, said, Georgia is an elite, every aspect, nasty defense. Is it fair to say that we are a damn good bend, not break D in comparison? While not to blame the D, Iowa and Illinois offense uh, is ass, and they scored on us when they needed to. Um, so to your point, um, something that came out of an article from For the Bloggy and PSU Analytics today, 35% of Ohio State's yards came on 4% of their plays. It's three plays. Henderson's big run and Jigba's catch and Olave's touchdown. That was 35% of their yards on three plays. Um, that's, that's hard to – it's hard to be mad at a defense that's playing that well and lets up a few big plays. I tweeted it out. Like, we held Henderson to less than a yard. He's averaging like eight yards a carry. We held him to less than a yard prior to that big run. And then he got his groove and he ended up with, I think, like three yards a carry, four yards a carry. But, like, we were doing what we needed to do. Um, so to, to CJ's question, is it fair to say we're a damn good bend not break defense? I know people hate hearing that, but, like, is that just kind of what we are? Um, I think especially without P.J. Mustafer, we're more that. Uh, but that, that's always been a little bit of our identity under Brent Pry, for sure. Yes. Um, especially when we're playing really good teams. like. You know, you play in Ohio State, like, I'm sorry, they're just, they're a better team than us. Like, they're more talented. They have more weapons. And yeah. you, you, you are going to kind of have to rely on just not letting them score. Like, w- when you play against a team like that, you're not going to live in their backfield. Right. You know, like, we can do that against some lesser teams. But, yeah, I, I think we are more of a bend, don't break. When, when we get down inside that 20 and there's, you know, our defensive backs and our linebackers don't have to be looking behind them as much, don't have to be playing as much of a – like they have a boundary behind them. Yeah, our, our speed just comes up and meets people at like close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and, and you know, I think all year we've been good on run defense. We've been able to – outside of Illinois, obviously we got yeah. trashed on Illinois. But all year we've been damn good against the run. Um, and, yeah, there are some times where we get beat with a big a big play. But what saved us, too, is the red zone defense. Um, so shout out again. This is coming from uh, at PSU Analytics. If you don't follow them on Twitter, check them out. They're awesome. They're a contributor at for the bloggy. Um, he said, going into Saturday, Ohio State averaged 6.1 points per red zone attempt. So basically, they are scoring a touchdown pretty much every time they're in the red zone. Uh, Penn State held them to 19 points on six red zone attempts, which is 3.2 allowed. That's pretty damn good compared to what they're used to scoring at will. Um, so currently, and this again comes from this article, Brent Prize defense ranks third nationally in points allowed uh, per red zone attempt at 3.0. Georgia leads at 2.9. So we are right there with one of the best defenses in the country. I looked up a little bit more in depth on that. The only difference with that is we have a lot up 29 total attempts in the red zone. Georgia's only letting people get there 14. So yeah. take that for what you will. Maybe that's better for us because we're allowing the same amount of points with double the attempts. But at the same time, we are bending. We are letting people get there on us. And eventually, you know, things are going to happen. So um, to answer your question, yes, I think that's the identity, like you said, of what Brent Pry is. We are Ben, don't break. Um, but it just sucked that on a couple big plays, they, you know, they, they hit their marks, they scored. And end result is we let up 33 points. You know, that, that is unfortunate. But that is what happens against a really good team. Can you hear my dog right now, by the way? A little bit. There? A little bit, not a lot. I think the viewer, I think the, I think the listeners are okay with it. Uh, not a lot, but I, I'm I not hear sure more what of she's you. doing over there. 
I, I never know what she's doing back there. Um, I hear more of you. I, I see more of you just looking over to check in on her. But she's um, making some some noises over there. Um, <laughs> all right, back, let's move back on to the point of our defense. I think back to the we're point. also we're a, a fast athletic defense. That yes. is definitely our identity under Brent Pry. You know, it's I think that, that lends itself to a bend don't break more than having like huge run stoppers on your offensive on your defensive line. Like look at the guys who have gone on to be drafted from our defensive line. Shaka Tony, Odafe Owe, like these are not huge defensive linemen. They're speed guys. Yeah. They're athletic guys. Yeah. And that, that is why that's our identity, I think, a lot, for a, a lot of the reasons. This. Yeah, and a lot of times that's good enough. You know, against an Ohio State, you need a little bit more. You need a little bit more, you know, uh, of, of that don't break rather than just don't bend. But it is what it is. Um, and we let up 33 points to a really good team. We, did, we, we held them in some, some aspects. And, again, we, you know, we, we performed much better in the red zone against what they are used to this year. But in the end, unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Um, all right, let's move to the running back situation. Everyone loves talking about this one. We have three questions on it. Uh, Evan Huber says, I thought the run game was going to be uh, a strong point with four really good running backs. What happened? Evan, I think we all are asking that. If Mike Yersis knew the answer to that, we've had it fixed by now. Um, but the more direct question, uh, Shane Lunnan says, although also even though the run game was a disaster, I feel like Lovett has to be RB1 moving forward. Thoughts? And Colin Christie says, who should be the number one back? I like Lovett, but our other guys have played well too. So Pat, I'll ask it you point blank. Who should be our number one running back right now? You know, it's funny. I kind of felt the same way about John Lovett just watching this game. And then you go look at a stat line, he averaged one and a half yard a carry. 13 carries for 20 yards. Yeah. And Everyone's by the way, no, loving love it. No one else really did any better. Lee no. was three yards a carry. Noah Kane was 2.6 with a fumble. Like, yeah, I, I, don't know I, where, I don't know where the love for love it comes out of this game. I think he's been very fun all season. I think, I think he well, he, like he had like two or three carries up top where he, he looked good. And we're yeah. like, oh, run good! Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in that first drive, yeah. I think he had like a five and a seven yard carry or something like that. I think his longest um, was five. Yeah, I think his but, long was five. Yeah, it was just like, I don't know, coming out of that that first drive, we're like, oh, is good going, John? Love it, man. But then it was the same story for the rest of the days. It has been for the whole season. Like, uh, I personally think Kevon Lee is kind of should be our number one back. Uh, I think he's been the most consistent guy there um i also like getting him the ball in the passing game yeah more than any of our other running backs yeah he he's shown really to be nice a playmaker there but like i i have to like i made the point last podcast just abandon the running game i'm so yeah. there should be you know who our leading rusher should be this this year it should be sean clip he should be our leading rusher every game he has been our most successful runner there should be oh there should be 10 or fewer non-shawed clifford runs every game for the rest of the season if he's healthy, sure, and I agree with that. Yes. To, answer, to answer the question, I'm going to give it to Kevon Lee. I think if you look at the numbers on the season, Kevon Lee is an RB1 without question. Uh, he has 20 fewer yards than Noah Kane on only 60% of the carries. I mean, he's, he's doing more on the ground than Noah Kane is. He has 100 yards more than John Levitt with only seven more carries. Like, he is significantly our most efficient runner on the ground. I think he's averaging 4.9 yards a carry. He's just not in there regularly enough. So, like, if I'm, if I'm Yursich, if I'm Franklin, I'm saying – uh, Kevon Lee, number one, going forward, he's going to get the lion's share of the carries. And then Kane and Lovett are, are 2A and 2B. You mix them in. 
I wouldn't have I, I just seen Keziah Holmes just like, hey, maybe someone can get something going. Yeah, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen Devin Ford, I think, is still injured from – I think he was hurt in the Iowa game. Um, I don't think he traveled for this game. So, I, I just – like Franklin Franklin said in the press conference, like the, the immediate post-game press conference, he said, we didn't have any explosive runs, but I thought we were more efficient. Where? We, the running backs alone had 21 carries for 42 yards. That is two yards per carry. Where are we more efficient? Like, I just don't get that. So I, I kind of agree with your abandon the run, but you can't do that. You can't just give up completely. So I if I'm, know. If I'm picking, if I'm picking, give it to Kevon Lee, make him RB1, and, and let him find some rhythm. Like, it, it's just, I love Noah Kane. He had the longest run of the game with 11 yards. He, you know, continues to, I think, lead the team in rushing touchdowns. But, like, Kevon Lee showing that he can do it. His touchdown was the vision was beautiful. It was one of those three back sets where they have three guys back there and the first two lead block. I think it was Strange and Noah Kane lead block for him. Um, the vision was beautiful. He sees the hole, he hits and immediately he scores. Yeah, it's from the two yard line. Yeah, he doesn't do it consistently, but like give the guy a chance and, and I think he could give you something. Um, and again, this is no hate on Lovett. Like I, I've enjoyed watching Lovett too, but it was very weird coming out of this game in particular where he averaged 1.2 yards per carry for everyone to be like, yeah, he needs to be the guy. Yeah, again, it was just it was that first drive. That's that's yeah. why we all felt that way. And and I, and I think it was also that touchdown that came back. They were like, "Oh, he could do that." Like, yeah, that's true. So that's all on the running game. Um, Steve Steve Silver, shout out you also said, "Why can't we run the ball?" Um, to that question, Steve and Evan both saying like, "What happened?" We've been trying to figure it out all all season. For the bloggy coach Caduti put out a video on things that needed to change. We haven't seen anything change. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I think our offensive line just isn't good enough. I'm not an offensive line expert. I don't break down the film. Yes, I know sometimes we get pushed and the running backs don't hit the hole. Sometimes we miss assignments rather than just not get pushed. But we consistently just haven't had a good offensive line. Like I, I am never, ever going to go into a season again saying this is the year until I fucking see it because I just can't. So like yeah. our offensive line is not good enough. Our running backs, for one reason or another, are not able to hit the hole. Our tight ends aren't blocking as, as good as we need them to be. It's it's a mix of a lot of things, um, but it's just not working, and it needs to change. Yeah, it's, it seems like we can never just find a win in that running game where, like, both the offensive line does their job and the running backs do their job. It's always someone is, is missing. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, exactly. it's either the offensive line opens up the hole and the back makes the wrong cut, or mm-hmm. there's just no room. And I'm like, ah. It's tough I, to have, watch. We had a, have we had like a big run from a running back this year? I've done like a big touchdown run. No, no, we have, we have not had a running back go over a hundred yards in a game. I think, yeah. uh, I think Kevon Lee had like 70 against Indiana. Maybe. Um, I, I think the biggest run of the year is like a 40 yard run. If I, yeah. if I remember correctly and it wasn't for a touchdown. So no, we haven't had any explosive plays again. This, this game, we had 21 carries for 42 yards from our running backs. Cliff had a few nice moments, but he also got sacked enough. Where his so his ending stat line is negative four times, four times, um, which which again is not. Ohio State's a very good defensive front. You have to expect some pressure, and it's going to happen. But force too many. It forces too many. It just especially when one of them's a touchdown. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, The big boy touchdown. Did you? That was as much of a killer as anything else in this game. I agree because that's a fourteen point swing. We have the momentum. We are moving down the field at will. It seemed at that point where we're, we're, we're passing the ball for 8, 10, 12 yards at a clip, and it seems like we're going to go in the score. They pick it up, and a 305-pound man 
runs the length of the field. I was like very frustrated that no one seemed to be chasing him down. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Parker Washington was the only one close, and he started 15 yards away from him, so I think it was just too much ground to cover. Uh, Efner was the only lineman that even gave chase. But you watch back, and, like, I don't know if people just thought they were too far away. Noah Kane doesn't move. The other four linemen don't move. Nobody even, like, tries to chase this guy down. He's 305 pounds. Can we not make an effort? Like, am I overreacting to that, or was he just too far away? No, I mean, that's pretty ugly. Uh, the only defense you can give is that, like, yeah, maybe they think he's too far away, and they're going to be out on the field again in a minute and a half. Yeah, but you can't you can't give it up. I think I think and like to to give some credit, like yeah, guys are coming off blocks. Maybe they're a little disoriented. They're not seeing what's happening right away until he's too far gone. But like it was just it was a little frustrating that Parker Washington was the only one really giving chase. Um, but that was a huge huge changing huge changing turning point in the game. It was a fourteen point swing early on when we had some momentum. That's yeah, it. I mean possibly even more so than like the two plays that both went down the red zone in one play that. That play was just a killer. Because, yeah, it looked like, worst case scenario, we were coming out with three. Yes. And instead, we give up seven. Yep. And at that point, I think it was Yeah, that, it was that's a 10-point swing in a nine-point game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at that point, it was that they were up 10-7, to seven, right? If I remember correctly, I think that put them up 17-7. Um, we go into, I thought it was later than that. I, I think that put them up 17-7 to because then we go into the half 17-10 with the field goal. Um, Either way, that's not that doesn't matter. It's a huge ten to fourteen point swing in a nine point game. That sucked. Um, all right, let's they keep went going up on these. Seventeen seven. They yeah. were up ten yeah. seven. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that that's uh, uh, and like I said in my post game tweet too, it was timely mistakes that killed us at that moment in time. The interception killed us because we were again that was i think 27 24 at that point um we have a chance to go and win the game we have a chance to go and take the lead late like it, it was just timely timely stuff that hurt um all right we have one more question on this particular game and then we got a couple that are a little bit more high level that we'll finish up with uh drew kegel kegels bagels says thoughts on us fair catching every kickoff seems to be an analytics move have you noticed this we haven't returned to kickoff in a while um, I guess I noticed it during the Ohio state game. I guess I didn't, hadn't noticed it before that, but they so, were kind of doing that thing where they kick it high inside the 10 and we're probably not going to get it to the 25 in that scenario. That, that, well, that, that's like that Belichick move. Yes. And that's kind of what I thought too. So I, I dug into this a little bit and I looked back, we haven't returned a kick since what's the game before Indiana. Um, we haven't returned a kick since Villanova. In the Indiana, the Iowa, the Illinois, and the Ohio State game, we have fair caught every single kickoff. Um, it has to be an analytics move because you go and you look up the data for the kick returns, and there are 130 teams in the FBS. Where do you think we rank in our average kick returns? This doesn't include fair catches. This only includes attempts. Out of 130, where do you think we rank? I'm guessing very poor. 125th. Yeah. At just under 15 yards per attempt. So basically what happened is in those first four games, we attempted to return the ball and we were averaging 14.75 yards per return. Um, that's not good. It's not, it's not getting you to where you need to be. So I'm guessing Franklin and team said, well, we're just going to fair catch it and start on the 25 because that's better. I get it from an analytics Seems standpoint. Smart to me. But at the same time, that also just sucks from a 
you know, aggressiveness, uh, change the game, impact the game in all three phases. Like we're basically just saying we're going to, we're going to give up the ability for a big return because in four games we couldn't do it. Like that hurts me, man. That, that seems like you're laying down on that. Like, I know it's not, I know you're taking the better of the two situations, but like to just take that completely out of the game plan, kickoff is the most electric play in the game of football. Like, I just, yeah. I don't like that we're completely abandoning it. I, I see where you're coming from, but it also just like, it, it's not working and it's not working against the weakest part of our schedule. Yeah. Yes. You know, I think, I think this is like take fake the 25 yards. I think this is fake outrage for me. I understand it's better to start at the 25, but like, it just sucks. Like when we, when we go from years of seeing Saquon return, return him for touchdowns and we see guys like even Lamont Wade took one for a touchdown. Uh, you know, we had guys that were electric. KJ Hamler could take one out and get you 50 yards on any given day. Like it's frustrating that we're just not doing it at all. So I don't know. I hope that changes. I hope we see some guys, you know, with some flashy plays and we get better at it. I hope that's not a strategy going forward for the rest of this year and into future years. But to answer Kegel's question, that is the reason why we've been doing it. Um, he also says, uh, do you guys think we should use Jahan in the Wildcat more going forward like we did in the goal line? Um, it was a cool play. What would you think of yeah. it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it worked. I liked it. Um, I, I've been a big fan of Tyler Warren in the Wildcat so far, too. Um, I, I it's one of those things that to me like yeah it's worth using but it's not like it's not gonna be a big change for our offense I don't think yeah I think it's one of those where we just talked about how bad the run game is if it gives you an opportunity to succeed then sure do it Franklin said that they they implemented it this week into the playbook um, you know typically it has been Tyler Warren running it up the gut so this was a different look a new wrinkle from your station and it worked which was great um, but I also think this is one now that teams are going to key on right if you line up with him you have to have some sort of other wrinkle so that they can't just know he's going to run it to the left or run it to the right and stop him um, so I think we'll probably see some variation of it again. He'll probably get another attempt or two, maybe throw a pass in there. We've seen him throw, and he can pass. Um, but, yeah, when your running game is that bad, you gotta you got to come up with different ways to, uh, to run the ball. All right, uh, we got three left. They're a little bit higher level. Uh, we'll start with good friend of the program, Brandon Beal. So with the loss to Ohio State, that makes three in a row, with one being to Illinois. Is there any excuse for Franklin? Illinois and Iowa included a complete lack of creativity from the coaching staff on how to deal with an injured QB. There was no fight. I think this is kind of what we talked about at the top. This loss hurts so much because Iowa and Illinois are both huge. What ifs, what if Cliff doesn't get hurt? What if we game plan a little bit better? What if Roberson is able to be competent? Um, so the question of, is there any excuse for Franklin? What do you think on that? We've had plenty of conversations about Franklin and his future. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like a, there is and there isn't. Like, I don't think it's firing worthy. But like, no, no, no. I, also, I don't think that's the question. I think it's more you, of just no, like – No, I mean, like, yeah, this, was a, this was for sure. This was just – these losses are on James Franklin. Yeah. Not, maybe not this last one, but the two before that I think are. Yeah, and that's, that's where I say, like, is there any excuse? There's no excuse for not having a competent backup ready. And we've beat that point to death over the last couple episodes, so I won't go into it even more here. But, like, the fact that our entire season now is basically a game and a half of Clifford not being available and not being 100%, and that's why we don't have any future. Because, like, say we come into this game 7-0, and right? Say Clifford's healthy or say Roberson's enough to get us through. We come into this game 7-0 and and we lose a 
close game, a hard-fought game against a good Ohio State team, we're still a top-10 team. Yeah. Like, we come into this game probably ranked in the top-10. Like, we come into this game number two, right? If we beat Iowa and then we beat yeah. Illinois, we're still number two. We, we come into this game, and then that would actually give those fuckers good reason for storming the field, which I'm not going to get into. Um, if, we, if we win those games, we come into this game as number two team against the number five Ohio State. It is a close, hard-fought battle. And maybe at that point we have you know, a better mental makeup. We have more momentum. We have the, the, the push that we're ready to go. Maybe things go a little bit different. Now, I'm not going to say that's completely, but like, yeah, when you lose to Iowa in that heartbreaking fashion, you take a week off, and then you go put up the stinker that happened against Illinois. There's not really an excuse. Yeah, you're right. And, and the, the hardest part, like the, the part that really makes you go, man, there is no excuse, is that it's pretty par for the course Yes, for James Franklin's career at Penn State. As much as I'm a fan of his, as much as I, des- I believe that he deserves to keep his job, like, yeah, we lose after we lose. And we lose after our bye week. Mm-hmm. That's kind of his thing. And for this whole like one and zero mentality, it seems like kind of the exact opposite of that. Yeah, the replies on the one and zero, one and zero, one and zero tweet this week are not pretty. <laughs> um, I, I think people are just keyboard warriors. So many like, are your bags packed for LA yet? Have you looked at houses near USC? Like, some people are are, are just idiots like that, but other people are like. Like, read the room, man. Like, no one, no one's buying into this. No one's seeing this. And, like, maybe you should change it. Now, I don't think he should give that up because no, if it you, looks don't, if you don't tweet that, it's much worse. So I don't yeah. think he should stop tweeting it. But <laughs> it is difficult when, you know, you see the kind of skids that we've had. Um, and then you look at, you know, just the, the uh, you know, record, what are we, 1-7 and seven against Ohio State in his eight years. Um, you can make an argument that it should be, you know, 3-5. and five. 2017, 2018, we should have beat them, right? We had leads in the fourth quarter that we squandered. That's another one. If you look back at those, like if we win those games, are we in more Big Ten championships? Are we in the playoff at any point? Do we get better recruiting because of it? Do, the, do you know, the things that need to change change? Do we get better offensive linemen? Do we get better quarterback prospects? Like there's a ton of what ifs. So like, is there any excuse? No, not really, but it's it's just where we are. It's who we are. And like, yeah, you hope this next recruiting class with a stud quarterback is the change that we need to see, but there's a lot more that needs to change just than one quarterback prospect. I love Drew Aller. I'm excited for him, but there's a lot more that needs to change from that. So that leads us into our next question. This comes from Chris Lyons026. says, thoughts and feelings on Cliff coming back for another year. Not sure he will get drafted unless he finishes the season crazily. I assume he would want to come back or transfer. Pat, what are your thoughts on Cliff for next year? Uh, the most surprising thing to me would be him transferring. I agree. really don't see that. Completely um, agree. I don't see him as like a first five quarterbacks off the board this year. The first um, I, I certainly don't see him in the first three rounds, which okay. is like if you're not going to go in those first three rounds, unless you're like hurting for money, which I don't believe he is, you might as well stay. Because it's not like even if he stays and plays poorly next year, it's not like he's going to hurt his draft stock. He's just going to still not really be anyone that someone's talking about on draft day. And, and I, I hope it doesn't come across like shots fired at Sean Clifford. It's just like the reality of the situation. I'm a big fan of his. I think he's been great this year for the most part. And I think if he comes back next year and has a great year like he could, he could get drafted. 
So I, I would kind of be surprised if he doesn't come back. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And, and I'm the same way. I've done a full 180 on him coming into the season. I said, there's no way he leads us to the next level. There's no way he turns around and, and improves. And, and he was before injury, he was doing everything we wanted him to do. Um, I agree. There's no chance he transfers. I think he loves Penn state too much. I don't think there's another situation that gives him a better opportunity. Um, the only thing for me is like, he's 23 years old, right? This would be his sixth year. Cause he's already a fifth year senior. I'm pretty sure this would be his sixth year because of the COVID year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a lot of wear and tear on the body. Like, I, I could see at this point, I don't think, like you said, he's not a top five quarterback. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback, honestly. I don't think he's a first four or five round guy. I think he's a sixth or seventh, take a chance as a backup, or you pick up undrafted to, to kind of be on the practice squad. And I think that just comes down to like mental, mental, I said this twice already in this podcast, but mental makeup of like, okay, do I want to come back and try to work myself into a top two, three round draft pick, or do I want to start my professional career, work my ass off on a practice squad or as a backup and, and try to fight my way that way. Um, and I don't know if there's a right or wrong decision. I think that really just comes down to what he wants, what he wants for himself, his family, where he wants to be. Um, I don't think to, to the question of like, what do we have next year? I mean, I think he's guaranteed a starting spot. Like Roberson ain't going to be the guy if he's still around. Mayu hasn't seen anything on the field. And Drew Aller will be a true freshman. Like you don't, as much as we're excited for Drew Aller, you don't expect him to come in and, and start and be amazing game one. Um, I think we'd like to do that. We'd love to see him do what Caleb Williams is doing in Oklahoma right now as a true freshman. But like, you, you just can't expect that. So I think if Cliff comes back, he's our starter and maybe – that's weird too, because you do want Aller to take over at some point. You don't want like, you're not, you know, cause like, yeah, having him take over as a sophomore is totally normal. That's what most quarterbacks do. Sure. But he, I think people are itching for him to be the guy as true freshman. I'm sure they are, but like, it's not super realistic. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I, 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 think I don't think it's like, if you have this guy take over as a sophomore and you get three years of him, I don't think anyone's going like, man, like, you know, what a waste. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I just no? think it'll be a, I think there will be a lot of a lot of Twitter people that are upset with if if Cliff struggles at all, right? Like if Cliff struggles at all in his sixth year, people are gonna be like, "Give it to Aller, give it I to mean, Aller." Come on, we gave him that just last saying. year, and then we saw just the difference between him and the next thing. Like, they, I mean, you know, give all the credit in the world, especially like Jahan Dotson and a talented wide receiver group. But like, this offense is literally dog shit without Sean Clifford. Yes. It's yes. non-functional. Yep. It is an offense that's going to score seven to 10 points a game. Yeah. And probably turn the ball over more often than it scores touchdowns. You're hundred percent right. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. Yeah. People are going to, people are going to freak out. So I think, I think as far as Cliff coming back for another year, I think he would be widely welcomed amongst most fans. I think it's just the decision that he needs to make as far as where we My stand, guess is he comes back. As far as we stand, let's let's play the what-if game if he leaves. Say he says, you know what, I'm ready to start my pro career. I'm going to take the sixth round, seventh round draft pick, whatever it is. Where that leaves us for next year is a little scary. Because, again, everyone is expecting Aller to be the savior. Um, but as a true freshman, I don't think you can put all your eggs in that basket. I think you need to pick up some sort of transfer. And I'll give a shout-out to, I think it's PSU Recruit Talk, I think is their handle. Uh, tweeted out today, Miles Brennan, quarterback from LSU, is in the transfer portal. Uh, apparently was once connected to Yursich at Oklahoma State as a recruit. So that's a name to keep an eye on. Um, I don't think you roll with Roberson, Veyu, and Aller. I think you've got to bring in some sort of veteran to give at least some sort of presence there while the young guy gets up to speed. 
hundred percent. And honestly, if anything, I'd be more interested in what Veyu looks like yeah. next year than Roberson. Agreed. And, and I hate to bash Roberson again because yeah, like, I feel yeah. I feel I, bad I, for the kid. It's not personal. It's not personal. I feel bad for the kid, but like and this is going it's not off, promising. It's also going off just as much of what we see from the coaching staff as what we saw from yeah. him in one game. I'm to be honest with you, like I'm not that shocked. Like, yeah, it was bad, but I'm not yeah. that shocked the Iowa game went the way it did. Because yeah, you're there's this kid who's never had meaningful college football reps in his life, and you just throw him in against one of the best defenses in the country in a huge spot. Yeah. Not just like yeah. a pretty big game, a gigantic game. Yeah. Halfway yeah. through, by the way. I, I hear you. I hear you. And I, I think it's just like no one's going to want to go into next year with him as our starter. No one's going to believe it. We're going to be saying the same things. Like, I don't care how good your is. There's no way he's going to coach him up. Maybe we'll be proven wrong. Maybe he'll be amazing. Maybe a lot of people said that about Sean Clifford coming into this year. That's right? what I'm saying. That's so. exactly what I mean. So but what I, concerns me more, honestly, than the Iowa performance is the Illinois performance. And that there was one. Roberson? Yes. Oh, for, that for there the coaches. Wasn't one. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah, the fact that they went with a hobbled, broken Sean Clifford over a fully healthy Roberson tells you a lot. Yeah. All right, we've gone into enough quarterback talk. Um, if Cliff comes back, I'll welcome him with open arms. If not, Aller, I hope you get ready pretty quick. Uh, last question comes from a good friend of the program, <laughs> Sweens, Sween Eggs and Ham. Uh, it says, crazy that this team has still not played even close to their best game, in my opinion, meaning offense and defense both playing their best. Uh, the Iowa, Iowa game will be looked at as such a what if. Agreed. We just talked through that. This is the big question to end the episode. What do you consider a successful rest of the season? Um, I think we'd have to come out with one loss or undefeated. Agreed. Agreed. I think at this point you've got – we're not going to overlook anyone because we can't after that Illinois shit show, but you've got Maryland and Rutgers who should be should be wins. With a healthy cliff, should be wins. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Michigan and Michigan State, which I think Michigan is beatable. I, I really do. Um, I, I know that they've been highly ranked. I know that they were undefeated up until this game against Michigan State, and it was a damn close game. But for some reason they look more beatable to me. Michigan State has has my attention. Um, Kenneth Walker is a real deal as a running back. We've just shown that we can shut down talented running back, but they they look damn good. So I think coming out of this stretch, I'm well, we haven't you. shown that we can shut down a talented running back for an entire game. True. So true. that's what's pretty concerning. Fair, fair. And it, like, I tweeted this out: like Henderson was bound to break one. The fact that we shut him down for ninety percent of the game, like if he breaks one big run a game, I consider that a success. So yeah. as far as the rest of the season, I agree either win out because I think we're capable of doing it. We just showed that we're capable of doing it against Ohio state or one loss. So that puts us at a nine and three or an eight and four, which I think if we go back to our initial preview episodes, I think we were both around that nine and three mark is what we, what we expected. We just didn't expect it to happen this way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Honestly, both Michigan and Michigan State kind of concern me because they can both run the ball. Yeah. Um, and that is definitely like, – I think we're great against the pass. I really do. And, I, I, you know, C.J. Stroud ended up having a, you know, a good game. For yeah, sure. but he had, all he, day, he had all day to he throw. He threw he for no 300 yards. But, like, to be honest, for him, that wasn't a great game. True, true. But my worry is we had no pass rush. We, had, yeah. we didn't sack him once. We had seven tackles for loss, which is great against the run, but we had no sacks. And, and he did have, like, our, we're again, back to the bend, don't break. We're very good at, like, not allowing the big passes outside of one or two per game. But, like, it, it, it worries me a little bit. 
Yeah, um, but I, he's also by far the best quarterback we're going to face this season. Um, True. And so we, he completed 65% of his passes. That's good. That's very good. But, like, coming into this game, he was th- he, his pass, I, I want to say three games, completed 75% of his passes for over 1,000 yards and 14 touchdowns for no interceptions. Like, Damn. We held him to significantly yeah. better. Like the, the yards were still up there, don't get me wrong, but still lower than his usual, and every other category was significantly yeah. worse. That's fair. That's very fair. So I think as, as far as what does success look like, we are 5-3 and three right now, ending the season either 9-3 and three and going to a very good bowl game is, is a success. Ending the season at 8-4 and four is kind of like uh, – Hey, that's all right. Like we're, we're still, we're not, we're not completely distraught, but you know, it, it's a lot of what ifs and it's a lot of where does this lead us? And I think, I think the other part of like what does success look like is continuing to work on and fix the things that are not working. The run game, like you can't just not have a run game we're, we need to fix this going into next season. Like it's not something you can just give up on, you know, the offensive line can't just allow four sacks a game. Like it has to get better. So I think the things that we are, seeing as problems right now success for me this year would be them getting better by the end of the season yeah i feel that and to be honest the other thing that success for this season means to me is like we got to come out with a bowl victory this year Half yeah to. yeah i agree you know, whether it's, it's whether been, it's nine and three or eight and four whatever bowl we go to we losses and bowls in under the franklin era i mean we have wins against boston college mm-hmm. and washington that was a big one mm-hmm um, but we've got losses to Kentucky, uh, USC, and who else? I'm blanking right now. But like, I mean, I feel like he, we're like roughly 500 in bowl games under Franklin. I know we're 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 three and three. Is that in, in how many New Year's Six games we've we been to? I don't know. This uh, is bad. Don't... This is bad radio right now because we're just. <laughs> Well, we had the, 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 the win against Washington, then the losses to Kentucky and USC. I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. Stay with me. Stay um, with me. Stay with me. All right. When did Franklin get here? The, uh, was the pinstripe bowl his first season? It was his first bowl. Cause I think we weren't bowl eligible his first couple seasons. Yeah. So pinstripe bowl, we win over Boston college mm-hmm. tax slayer bowl. We lose to Georgia. That, that was the beginning of the oh, trace. That was early. Rough that was the beginning game. of the Trace McSorley era, if you remember. That was an came in ugly late. game, yeah. Uh, then we lose in the Rose Bowl to USC. We beat Washington in the Fiesta Bowl. We lose to Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. And then last year, we beat Memphis in the Cotton Bowl. Well, two years ago. Two years ago, yes. That was, that was the one at the other Cotton. That was a great game. Yeah, so three and three in bowl games. Yeah, what, what, what would success this year? Finish out on a hot winning streak, go nine and three, beat a quality opponent in a bowl game. That would make me feel very happy for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, even if we go eight and four, we just got, we got to win a bowl game this year, man. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Even if we go eight and four, whatever opponent we play, and especially if we go eight and four and we get like a, a lesser bowl game, that's not that good. We should fucking trounce whoever we play. Like you yeah. need to end this year on a statement that makes people feel going, feel good going into the off season. Yeah. Yeah. So there's <sighs> more, it has to be more of a what if season than a, we're a pretender season. Yes. Well said. Well said. All right. We're going to end it on that. There's, there's still football to be played. I know the season's kind of over, but there's still football to be played. Got four games left, two really big ones. And I hope for good things to happen. Pat, any last words for the listeners? Just, you know, hey, thanks for sticking with us, guys. <laughs> thanks for sticking with us. Let's go 1-0 this week. 
we are.